Hello, I'm Caroline Carey. I'm a soul worker and soul doula. I have a deep understanding of the soul's journey from cradle to grave, and I've traveled between the veils of the spirit realms. I've studied the path it evokes, and I've come to understand why the majority of today's problems are rooted in the loss of spirituality. So my work, which is Middle Earth Medicine Ways, empowers people to find what is lost and to reclaim their own circle of strength by embodying their soul. And I do this by holding a space for healing and soul retrieval with shamanic skills, trance and conscious dance. I love creative writing and poetry. Please join me in listening to these wonderful teachers and soul workers, the facilitators and the guides of spiritual and shamanic work. They all have something very important to share and are a great gift to our communities. I've learned a lot from listening to them. I invite you to also. podcasters Caroline here with my podcast Soul Purpose. Today I'm in conversation with Leo Rutherford who is a shamanic practitioner, soul worker and an elder in this area of offering. He has a very particular inquiry into the world as it is at the moment and how he can be of service to that. He talks about his journey with shamanism and how he came to find it. And yeah, even as a child, what it was for him that led him to this place. So um, yeah, do follow this podcast, um, like it, share it, whatever you can do to support it. And thank you very much for, for listening in. If you have anything you'd like to share with me about this topic, please get in touch with me and I look forward to hearing from you. But for now, here's Leo. Leo Rutherford, um, really lovely to be meeting with you again after many years. Uh, we haven't had a yeah. conversation for a long time um, and uh, we work in very similar fields of, of shamanism, of soul work. Um, ecstatic dance, trance yeah, dance, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So um, tell me, to, you know, what's most important for you in your life right now? Making making more sense of the world. Uh, um, watching, uh, observing, feeling the, the collective insanity, which seems to be gripping the world. And of course, not getting dragged into it, in in the world, but not of it, to quote. Uh, and and, and uh, to, to deal with aging and the problem of, uh, of bits falling off the, the body vehicle. I've got no bottom teeth at the moment. Um, uh, I had implants 25 years ago, and they, they've done their course and fallen out and so on. Uh, and so I'm in the process of, uh, of of renewing that and getting it sorted out. Right. Ah, cool, cool. But, you know, bit, bits fall off, hair fell off ages yeah. ago and so on and so forth. And, uh, and so keeping going is the most important, is a, a very important thing, keeping the, the vehicle going. Right, right, cool. Yeah, we have to do that, hey. Yeah. So, yeah, when it when it comes to the work that you do, I'm mm. always interested to know in how how it began. You know, what are its origins? Where did the story of Leo Rutherford begin? Oh. In in that sense, in your working life, in your well, a, a string of things happened. <clears throat> uh, I uh, I went into engineering from school because I wasn't, I didn't really want to deal with people. I trusted machines a lot more than people. And uh, of course, 
inevitably that led me the other way. I ended up uh, managing a business and uh, building it up and so on, mm -hmm. uh, which the first seven, eight years was brilliant. Uh, or eight, eight, nine years, really, yes. It was 12 years altogether. But by the latter part of it, which was actually the mid-70s, when inflation, like again today, but inflation then was running crazy, government, government's official infla maximum inflation was 26%, I think. Uh, but on the shop floor, it was more like 45 to 50%. Uh, and, and trying to keep a business going with you know, loads of the things, loads of everything changing became really, really difficult. And I ended up in the midlife crisis. And I came out of that. I managed to get the company taken over. Uh, and I uh, came out of that and went on an odyssey to try and make sense of life. Because I recognized by then that I, I wasn't making sense of my life. And I couldn't see much sense in, in the, the way of life around me. Uh, or, or the or the the parental homes I came from, and so I started off in London, uh, and went going to workshops and different experiences and so on. And on a visit to Pinhorn, I met uh, a, a nice woman from California, and she said, "Come and stay with me in the summer." So I did, and uh, what I saw then in San Francisco was the melting pot. It was a really great melting pot of, of the most avant-garde uh, human potential, spiritual, etc., etc., stuff going on. And so I went back at the beginning of the following year and, and did a, a, what is now Hoffman process. In those days, it was Fisher Hoffman, and it took three months, and it was a deep work through of the first 12 years of life. Uh, and that started me on on a good road a lot of things may help me really make sense of my past uh, and then uh, i wanted to stay i managed to stay in california although on three-month visas and i went through the essendon catalog looking for something that was going to be inspiring and that wasn't the sort of the therapy of the kind of what's wrong with you uh, uh which i'd experienced in london the kind of uh, uh, what's wrong with you and the, the worse you feel the better you're doing I didn't want to follow that path and the person I found was Gabrielle Roth Yay. that's who I picked out and she was marvellous magical teacher for me and of course I come from, from stiff Britishness uh, when I first came into the first dances I ever knew about was the quick step, the foxtrot, the waltz and all that there was, you know, rock and roll. I was about twenty years old when rock and roll appeared on the scene, okay. mid fifties. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I came. I came from that really stiff background. Yes, uh, and I did a lot of work with Gabrielle, including the first ever training she did in Red Bank, New Jersey, nineteen eighty-two. Uh, and also, I stayed in California. I got involved. I got into a university program. Holistic Psychology, a program created by Will Schutz out of uh, Esalen-type work. And that was very fruitful for me. And one of the courses was on shamanism. And that was like my window being widened even more. Right. And that's how I, I started uh, following bits and pieces of shamanism. Okay. That's, that's really interesting. I mean, I... I'd love to come back to Gabrielle Roth and your five rhythms yeah. working with her because, of course, we have that very much in common. As yeah. I was, I was trained in five rhythms as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I, I'd like to just take another step back. Right? You talk sure. about working on the twelve, your first twelve years of life, and doing some Hoffman work around that. And is there anything from your childhood that you relate to now that says I was meant to follow this path that I'm on now? Nothing. Really? Oh, that's fascinating. I've never heard that before. <laughs> Go on. Well, uh, uh, my mother wasn't really very sane, but she was psychic to an extent. 
without really knowing. Yes. That's yes. the only possible link I could find. But no. I, mean, I come from a family of lawyers. My brother was an estate agent. There's, uh, the box was rigid. I, 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 I've got a picture myself uh, age 25 and, and uh, I, I occasionally I, I show it to friends. I, it, it's a collage of family pictures and I say, you know, I'm in there. See if you can find me. Because <laughs> I've got horn rim glasses, dark, short, you know, the classic short, dark hair, suit, yeah. etc. All, all the usual crap of that era. And okay. uh, that's where I come from. Uh, what did you love as a child? What, you know, as a little child? Oh, uh, uh, oh, the garden plants, uh, the um, lupins. I had a, a, an obsession with lupins because uh, the uh, you can't get a lupin that all flowers at once because the one end's dying when the other end's uh, still growing to fully flourish. Oh, that's <laughs> that, fascinating! Yeah, yeah. Um, a, a little childhood obsession. But my later childhood obsessions were Meccano, model railways, and things like that. Yeah, very typical for little boys. That's what took me into engineering. But then lupins and the lupins. death and the, the life and death process of a lupin. I mean, that just sounds very shamanic almost to me. Yeah. And so you, you were interested in nature. You had a connection there with the garden. So yeah. there's some part of you was was involved in that so I'm, I'm do you see what I'm where I'm coming from yeah <laughs> snow like, drops also yeah there you go you know it, it's like those little things that actually they they are they do connect us to that world and and yes life takes us off on a whole other path mm. for very good reason sometimes you know for a necessary reason because there's something for us to learn from it but those origins those little little snow drops and those little lupins you know Lost, they are some of our origins. Were you at all creative? You must have been creative to mm. be building Meccano and, and train lines and things like that. that that's what, 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 I, uh, what, what, what I flourished in, was yeah. creativity like that. There, there you go. So, so that you did have a creative, you know, you, you, you were creative in that way, creating, making. And mm. I always think of creativity because I know that in all, all shamanic work, there's a level of creativity in it. Um, and I and I say to people, we're not just talking about artwork or poetry or singing or making something or sculpting. Creativity is in everything, even mathematics, yeah. in architecture, in yeah. building. And you're showing that, you know, it's like, yes, I was creative. You were making, building, you know, yeah. using that ability in yourself. So there was an element of that, that calling in you, even though it's not that visible, not obvious in some no. But, yeah. but that's absolutely true because the thing that gave me the greatest joy in life is, is making things. Right, right. Uh, I, I actually at school I won a, a woodwork cup for a little cabin cruiser that was about that long. Uh, it had a, a little electric motor in it and you and two um, A AA batteries. Yes. Uh, two AA batteries, uh, I, I, and it worked. There was a uh, a, a little a screw and a, um, a a piece of bent tin on, on the back deck, and you just turn them, and they connected up, and it it worked. You sound a lot like my brother, who's a metal <laughs> worker, and he 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 makes huge sculptures and mm -hmm. really beautiful, incredible stuff. But yeah, it sounds very similar in a way. I remember his Meccano and his train sets and all those bits and pieces. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So, um, you, you, so you, you had your career in that industry. Were you, were you successful? Yes. Yeah, I built up a a, a small business that was on its way to bankruptcy, mm. uh, and I built it up to be a whole heap bigger, and mm. and so yeah, successful. Yeah. In my last year, we, um, it, it was flourishing. So, so that you, being successful in business has obviously supported you to be able to bring your shamanic work and and, and what you offer now and have business skills around that. So. Yeah, I, I, I had all the skills needed for creating courses and mm -hmm. uh, marketing them 
Brilliant. So I mean, within, within the limits of, of those days, I mean, I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not good at it anymore with all this tech stuff. Yeah, sure, sure. I, I, I can relate. <laughs> but you did have those... it, was, it was leaflets and, and, yeah, and yeah. so forth. Oh yeah, yeah. I always talk about having to make leaflets and and yeah. stuffing envelopes with them and sticking yeah. stamps on and sending them out to addresses and spending a fortune on the post office. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah. People do not know how how difficult uh, uh, it was in the beginning because uh, we definitely had to work hard at that. Um, yeah. But so yeah, uh, so that that has given you really good foundations for the work yes. to build on what you've done now. So that that's really cool. Hey, and then so tell me more about meeting Gabrielle because obviously that's an area that I've worked in for many many years. Yes, indeed. Like, well, what was it like? I, I, I Gabrielle. Yeah, I picked her out of the Essendon catalogue and I hit an absolute bullseye. And uh, I, I went to a five day workshop uh, at Essendon and two months later, another one and so on. And I did a load of workshops with her and they were all brilliant. She really helped me to get out of my uh, overly busy head yes. and into my body. Yes. Which of course was 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 new to me. Mm. And uh I, I'm into real dance as I, as against that structured yeah. um that structured dance that was prevalent at the time in my in, in earlier years. Mm. And yeah, she she gave me a real foundation. Also, when I look back, she was the first person whose work uh, uh, inspired me in the sense that if I if I do any kind of work, then she's the first model. That that's the way I want to work with people. Nice. Which is a lot different. It, it seems to me to be a lot different from the way of a typical group leader with a therapy group. Mm -hmm. uh, it was more subtle. It was more because you know a lot of things. If you approach them directly with people then you've got all their resistance but if you approach around and gently and subtly then with a bit of luck you can get past their resistance yeah without them noticing absolutely yeah. oh that's great that's that's a, a beautiful teaching leo um yeah sometimes you know we we hear something we go oh yeah i do that and i never even realized it <laughs> So, cool. so so you worked with Gabrielle and you went on to offer ecstatic dance or trance dance yourself. I incorporated, uh, I, I came back to England in 82 and in 83 I moved to London and I set up what I call Play World, which was approaching the human issues through play and dance and drama, theatre games. So I'd done a bit of theatre games in San Francisco, uh, which is really interesting. And I've always enjoyed drama. I actually created a, the Liverpool Review Group <laughs> way back in the 60s, which was a, a little theatre group. And we started with blank paper and created our own stuff. Nice. Um, and, and I incorporated five rhythms into, into that. And so I was actually the first person who ever facilitated five rhythms in England. Were you really? Wow. Well, 83, 84. Uh-huh. And anybody before 84. Oh, and I was selling Gabrielle's tapes at that time because they weren't marketed in England. Okay. And of course, she gradually got famous and, and, yeah. and, and her stuff really took off, which is brilliant. Yes. Oh, and, and I, I was able to pay her back because uh, a friend of mine was bringing uh, teachers over from uh, from the States and he was going to bring a therapist that I actually knew in, in San Francisco days. And uh, no, no, no. I said, no, bring Gabrielle Roth. And he did. Uh, and and my, my crew at that time, uh, we filled most of our first workshop. Brilliant. So you oh. really initiated Gabrielle coming to the UK. Yeah, I, I really helped it along. 
Oh, wonderful. wonderful. I'm glad to do that, you know, for her. And I, I just did it because it's the right thing to do it. Yeah. And I, I wanted it all to happen. I wanted to be there. Yeah. And we do but these it, things. In the process, it, it, it was, it, it got her really started. And of course, she took off over here. Yes. Right. Oh. <laughs> yes. And that's, that's sort of how I got to dance with her. Um, quite a bit just from her coming here and going over to New York and training yes. her there. Yes. So yeah, uh, wonderful. So um, yeah, so so shamanism. Let's let's talk about that. Where do you think that originated in you? Where did you start to really get a sense that? I'm oh, Carlos Castaneda. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like so many, uh, inspired by that and inspired by the. Uh, the more, more than so much more than on the surface. Well, obviously, all all this work takes us beyond the surface in different ways, but his stories uh, really suggested that just how much uh, more there is. Um, <clears throat> and uh, uh, and after, or, or well, no, during the course of of my, my doing my MA. Uh, I got in touch uh, after that workshop on channels. I got in touch with people in Northern California uh, and I found Sun Bear and he had a medicine wheel gathering weekend a couple of times a year with about 150 people. So I went to that and met people. Oh, and, and one interesting thing, Stephen Foster, who pioneered the vision quest for non-native people, gave a talk on the vision quest and I listened I thought that's that's great but I'm just not ready for it that's something for the future so uh, so I looked for something else in the wilderness that was much lighter so I thought and I picked out a two-week trip uh, on the Esalen program so I signed up for that and of course Coyote doing Coyote's usual trickster job uh, that we met 9,000 feet up on the uh, on the way over the I forget what the mountain is um, and of course first evening we met and, uh, and the leader Robert Greenway says oh yes of course there'll be a vision quest okay so uh, what I'd avoided uh, was there right there in my path came back to you how was that vision quest it was a revelation. I imagined spending three days alone, I'd be bored out of my head uh, and, 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 and so on. But I actually made friends with myself in a different way. And nature showed itself to me uh, in all sorts of ways. And one additional way was uh, there was some peyote some people were chewing peyote and someone gave me a little bit of peyote. So I chewed the peyote, <laughs> uh, not chocolate, <laughs> uh, and, and so on, and had a, a very, and it was only a little bit of peyote, it wasn't enough to take you on a journey. But a strange thing happened in the evening of uh, I think the second day. Um, on the other, I was on the side of a, a valley, and on the other side there were hills. And one of the hills, I started seeing it as if I was seeing the structure of the hill. And everything else, I looked around, everything else was of standard. But that one mountain, it was like, uh, it, it was like I, I, um, I was seeing. In engineering language, it, it looked like the internal workings, windings of a transformer. Wow. And it was the same mountain, but but I was seeing it very differently. There's a real link there between yeah. manic years and bringing that into your shamanic viewpoint from a on your quest. It was an extraordinary experience. Wow. 
And as the proverbial saying goes, in the morning, the mountain was just a mountain. <laughs> but uh, I, I ended up falling asleep, but just gazing at that vision of what looked like the inside of a mountain. Wow. The structure. Yeah, fascinating. Wow. So, so you brought a lot of this work back to the UK. You began to teach and share knowledge. I began to teach at Playworld. I, I, I started it in autumn '83, and I, I realized that Christmas New Year was the very time because uh, I, I started ambitiously. Uh, the first meeting there was twenty something people, uh, uh, and I organized to do something every Saturday night, of offering. A, a very different kind of night out as against the usual in a church hall or something of that nature. And a few weeks in, there was me, my co-leader and two people. <laughs> so it, it went, like anything, it's a struggle to get it going. Of course. Yeah. But o over the Christmas New, New Year period, I programmed a number of things. And from then on, it, it was working. Mm. It took off. Yeah, it, it takes time, doesn't it, for any anybody setting up classes and even in those days when there wasn't so much, you know, we have to build these things yeah. and be patient, hey? And and you learn a lot from that, I, I believe. Certainly, certainly. And um, it, it took off uh, 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 the next year. And then I I, I added in, I, I, I offered a day on, a basic day on shamanism. Very much thinking my inner dialogue that I, I, I'm not entitled to do this, I don't know what I'm doing, etc. etc. Mm -hmm. Um, but it seemed to go all right. What, so did, you do? what did you do in that first workshop? Give us an I, idea. I, I just talked about, I think I talked about the medicine wheel, okay, and probably I can't remember really, but I probably did a journey or something or other with them. Okay, I, I I was in conversation with Nicholas Breezewood. Yeah. And he said he went to one of the, your very, very early workshops, which was about the medicine wheel and, and journeying. And that's where he started, his, his journey began. So we have a lovely link there in these podcasts on Nicholas Breezewood. Yeah. First experiences for you as the teacher, which is fantastic. So that's what you started to do. And tell me about the medicine wheel. Where did that come from for you? Uh, Swiftier, Harley Swiftier, uh, bought the medicine wheel. And, I, and I, I learned a little bit while I was still in California. Hmm. And, uh, and then a friend of mine, I introduced, or I told a friend of mine, Heather Campbell, about, about Swift. And he was coming to Germany. Uh, and she went to Germany, mm. came back to England full of enthusiasm. And we, we set up the deer tribe in England. Oh, yes. And she brought him over. And uh, I, I did two weeks solid with him, mm. which was really good. Nice. And uh, got the medicine we really spoke to me. It was like I'd been given a map of life. Mm. which I've never, ever had before. I've been floundering around trying to find the, what the territory was, really. Mm. But I just mean, it was like a map of how life works, and it, it, it's, it's multi-level. And so uh, you get all sorts of aspects from the spiritual on the one hand and the, the structure of uh, the, the, the creator, the mystery of the creator, mm. and fire, earth, air, water, the building blocks. Yes. Right down to... Uh, work on the wounded child, right? Okay. Which yeah. leads in, in with a a method that spends as much time on what to do about it. it, it it's the two parts of going into what's what's hurting and what's wrong, and then how you get out of it. Right. And in my therapy work, the, the first part had been seemed to be very very emphasised. But hardly anybody was dealing with what you actually do to get yourself out of it. Right. Yeah. And uh, that that mm. uh, that medicine wheel, the star maiden's circle, mm. uh, was a revelation 
uh, and became a really important part of my work. And of course, in our education system these days, we're given a curriculum, but we're certainly not given a, a map of life no, and how no. to work with that. Yeah, so it's, it's very all-encompassing, isn't it? When we we you when we work with these kind of maps, it needs mm -hmm. to include everything. So that that's it's um, <clears throat> it's amazing to hear your journey on this. Um, and and so today, what is it that you you offer now? Well, I still offer the medicine wheel because it, it's such a marvelous map. And that's my starting place. <clears throat> mm. uh, uh, the structure of life, mm. uh, uh, and where we are within the structure yeah. of life, uh, and 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 then the the um, the pressures on us, uh, uh, described through the medicine, will make more sense of them. Petty tyrants, as, as etc. Uh, the ha what happens when the energies of life go wrong? Uh, so, the positive and negative of each of the each of the directions, uh, and and thereby understanding where people are coming from when they they play tyrant with us, uh, and um, of course if we play tyrant with other people. Which we inevitably do. Uh, 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 seeing how our wounding creates our ability to wound, mm. uh, and how to then constantly work to heal that, so that we don't do that. Sure. Yeah. So, so in in we we live in England, right? Yeah. in Great Britain and there's a lot of wounding there's a lot of hurt here there's there's a, a lot of dysfunction um, we struggle with with what we do have and what we don't have um, how does shamanism and spiritual teachings and soul work how does that fit into today's society here particularly here yeah absolutely does although um, the medicine wheel that Swiftier teaches came from Jaime Storm, and he taught a lot of people. And it probably comes from Central America. Nobody's absolutely certain, uh, but it, it, it feels like it comes from the old Mayan culture. Okay. So uh, how does that relate to us here in Britain? How does it, because I mean, one of the things I'm really passionate about is looking at our own cultures, yeah. medicines, and what do we hold that is our heritage, what is old? Well, our, our, yeah, our heritage, uh, our Celtic heritage has a medicine wheel. Mm -hmm. uh, and the directions are different to the ones I'm working with. And I look at that and I've, friends have challenged me with that to uh to transform the one into the other and i said about trying to do that but the problem is that half the roughly speaking half the directions are different on the celtic wheel and half are the same so you can't make uh, uh, there's no way of making a simple change by turning everything a quarter a quarter round so um I just feel that, that to work with each system on its own rights. Okay. okay. And I, I haven't changed to the Celtic wheel because the uh, within the wheel I work with is the Star Maiden Circle, which it, I, I do a lot of work with for healing healing wounded wounded children, uh, so to speak, and wounded child within us, and. Um, I can't find that in the in the Celtic wheel. Okay. So I stick with the one that I learned simply because it works. And it, the fact that we're here and it came from over there doesn't actually, to me, make any difference. Okay. And, and what else? You include the dance. You're still working with trance dance. And... Oh, yeah. 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 How's that going? Oh, fine. <laughs> I, I, I've got a nice little band. Uh, two people who are multi-instrumental. And uh, uh, so we're, we're kind of a little trio. We work as a trio and it works really well. What do you what do you offer in the dance? Uh, choreography, I choreograph it. 
uh, and also I'm, I, I'm, I've got somebody with, with the group that I'm training as well, uh, and so on. So I, I, I set it all up and then progressively step back and let other people do it. Nice. Are you still dancing, Leo? Do you dance? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I don't keep going the same length of time I used to. Well, I, I experienced that. I can't dance as long as I used to dance. But in five rhythms days, we'd be going all day. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was full on. But um, I definitely can't be doing that now in my 60 odd years. So, um, yeah, it slows down a little bit, but it it's becomes sometimes more of an internal dance. Eh? And yeah. equal yeah. valid and uh, really important for us to be following. Yeah, um, take us into those deep places. Mm, and, and what would you say to people who are sort of veering on the edge of, of the shamanic ways and the spiritual ways and, you know, maybe who've become a bit lost in, in what they're used to and, and saying, well, this isn't working for me anymore. I need to look elsewhere. And how would they approach this kind of work in your, what's your well, idea? I mean, shamanism is practical. Mm. It's not about beliefs, mm -hmm. which religion most certainly is about. It's not telling you what to believe. It's basically, here's a load of tools. Here's how, how things work. But you look at it, and, and you, you work with this, and, and see where it takes you, rather than belief in, in some other body that will do it for you. It, it, it's, like a, it's like having a maps and a bag of tools and ways of accessing, but what you're really accessing is yourself. Sure. The hidden parts of ourselves. Mm. The deep parts inside, which somewhere in, in all of us, we, we know our instincts, we know what's true, but we're overlaid with so much mental should, must, and ought, and emotional as well, should, must, and ought, what's right, what's wrong, what's this, what's that. And the great enemies, guilt, blame, and shame, as the enemies of the tyrants, the prime ones, and calling ourself, our real self, back from all that uh, miseducation. Okay. Yeah, yeah. An uh, uh, undermining training to the, the real guts of who we are. Mm, it's, it's a great way to, to put it, you know, that is practical and it is learning the tools and being part of that and being part of community, hey? Yes. Trying to yes. do it on our own. So the community is vital, yeah. And then finding teachers or guides that are going to be supportive along that path. Yeah. And, and the guides, because the ultimate is yourself. Yes. You know, but, I mean, we, we go to... To the upper world to meet the wise being but who's the wise being it's hidden away in here somewhere but <laughs> it's it, it takes quite a bit of effort to contact yes yeah and having that outer visual can sometimes help to marry yeah. those two together of course yeah so you... having having a way of going down into the depths as if as if you're going into the earth yes Give you a, a framework to um, to visualize, uh, and spirit guides as power animals or birds. Well, an animal isn't confused. An animal doesn't need a therapist. Mm. It is what it is. What it is, uh, and each animal has its innate knowledge of how to survive uh, and how to thrive. Uh, and isn't confused, and unless it's a, a pet, perhaps. But we we have all this very useful uh, abilities, but they also can can take us over uh, uh, and be as much of an obstruction when we really try to get to the the depth and the root of ourselves. Absolutely, yeah, of course. So, Leo, you were very instrumental. For me, um, I just remember a conversation I had with you and I was um, I was moving from my Five Rhythms days and other organizations that I was working with and really looking for what was mine to offer mm -hmm. to the world. And I always remember you saying to me, well, you could do a shamanic training. You can offer 
something like that's yours that's you know innate within you and um and I said oh yeah but there's all the legalities and all the <clears throat> stuff you have to work out man that you said there's none of that you just do it and I did and I set up Middle Earth Medicine from that right which was <laughs> which was just wonderful because I suddenly got it yeah you know there, there's no rules about this particularly obviously I have years and years and years of of trainings in other things and knowledge and and I'm bringing all that in one big cauldron into yeah. the medicine that is mine from my experience and that's what we each need hey yeah. to, to share our own experience of this and that's when we become guides yeah. rather than teachers so to speak but we, we are then guiding others with the experience that we have when we don't have the experience we we don't have anything to share on that but when we do yeah. that's what's useful to other people hey what would you say your main um, offering is around that what have you learned personally for yourself well one thing one thing i say about qualification is what i feel is there's one qualification that we absolutely need and that is the qualification from spirit right uh because i, I i've seen people get get all sorts of paper qualifications but from humans but if they haven't got it in themselves, they set up in practice and it doesn't work. Uh, I've seen other people set up in practice knowing I could just see how they're competent uh, and the practice just takes off. Yeah. But it says, it, 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 if people come to us, we're qualified by spirit. If they don't, then we're not. Great way of looking at it uh, and being with it. That's really important, hey? So... Yeah. I haven't sought, I, and I do have MA in holistic psychology. Mm -hmm. I haven't sought any other qualifications. Yeah. Um, and I've taken stuff from multiple sources. Or basically, I've taken everything that touches my heart and made it into medicine. Wow. That, that, that's, that's such a, a gift to, to, to come mm. to that place, hey? So, what's your hopes for the future? Uh, to keep just to keep going on the one hand to keep going and on the other hand to be ready when this lunatic idiocy that's going on in the world uh with lockdowns and i mean much bigger than just a i'm talking about mental lockdown uh, and uh the attempts to limit control restrict uh and so on when they uh, die off, or whatever. Say when, when real truth starts to burst through. Uh, I, I think normies, those people one might call normies, uh, will find their their reality shaken. They may need quite a bit of help. Sometimes we need a shake up, don't we? I know it certainly helped me in my life. <laughs> yeah. It might not be comfortable, but it has been necessary. Yeah. yeah well it's been really really lovely to talk with you leo um I talk with you too and and you know i'd love to hear some of your experience and what you have to share and i really wish your work you know to keep flourishing and growing and be, to be touching the people that you you know you come into contact with and who are able to dance with you and, and yeah. journeying with you um it's it's a special platform hey and a very important one in this day and age. Yeah, yeah, and and likewise to you. Uh, you. It's great that you you created your own medicine and you're doing your work in your way. Absolutely, what be better. It's great. Well, yeah, it feels it feels important. It got it, for me. It got to a point where I just said, you know, what, I, I was always asking the question ever since I was a very little girl. Why am I here? What's yeah. mine to do? And that has carried on right the way through my life until I absolutely had to pay attention to it and couldn't couldn't move on without it. So it was like having to drop lots and lots of stuff away, all, all the attachments I had to other trainings, groups, organizations, all of that. And then just it was a bit like standing naked in front of spirit and saying, OK, what yeah. do you want me? And then that that then it's it, it took time. And it took a certain for me to be at a certain age as well, I think, and and then to, to just start to look at well, what have I been gathering in my own cauldron all these years, mm. and starting to look at that and get creative with that and say, well, this is what's touched me, this is what has supported me, 
it's like the connection to the, the shamanic, the spirit, the soul work, um, and the animal kingdom to nature, and, and all these important things, not, and not just the, the beautiful things and the, the, the loveliness of life, but also the particular challenges. What was my particular challenge in life? What was the, the thing that I needed to find solutions for? What was, the, what was the medicine for me growing up? And to be with that and to then see how it wanted to expand and become mm. my offering. So that's how I work with people now is to look at the core wound that we hold, but yeah. also to look at the aspiration to be in the world and to bring what we have to give. And those two together form a very beautiful union. And so that, that all my work is based on that. And it sounds very similar to yours in many ways. So, yeah. And yeah. With, with Gabrielle, with other dance teachers and, and yeah. all of that has been well, I danced since I was a baby, pretty much. <laughs> so right. this is my is my greatest companion, really. One thing, I, I, yeah. One thing I can add: I I never expected to be a shamanic teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, what happened was I added shamanism to play world and so on, and the work I was doing, and uh, then the idea came across. Uh, uh, to offer a year-long course as an experiment. Uh, and I thought uh, if I could get eight or 10 or maybe even a dozen people together, I could, I could do it a year course as an experiment and, and see if it worked. And so I put two, literally two lines at the bottom of a program I sent out. And three months later or so, I had a list of 60 interested people. And that autumn, which is 1987, uh, I started with three groups, uh, not not one, not one small group, but three groups. One of which, of course, was was very big. It was about twenty four people. Wow! Uh, and and just went on from there. That's so. It, it, it took me. That's the thing, isn't it? It takes us. It's like, yeah. and this donate. I mean, we have a, a, there's a huge amount of competition out there. Yeah. Massive. It's massive, isn't it? So yeah. it's 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 not as easy to just go, okay, this is what I'm doing. And everybody's so hungry for something. I remember when I first started teaching five rhythms in Ireland, in Cork, there wasn't anything else. It wasn't even yoga classes very much or mm. small. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't out there. There wasn't the dance or anything. And and so I had this huge number of people coming every week to this dance session. Right. But then of course you start to create your own competition you know yeah. more teachers coming and so there's more opportunities which is of course is fantastic as well but mm. now we, we're so saturated with offering yeah. and yeah. authentic offerings versus some that aren't so authentic of and course what is shamanism what is it really you yeah. know that question as well which we could go into in great depth i'm sure um but uh yeah that's a whole other conversation i think mm -hmm. But um, that is a reality, isn't it? That there is so much out there. Yeah, uh, uh, Nick Wood talks about animism. And yes. I think technically that's probably probably the right description. Mm. But a, a, a word a, a word get, gets all sorts of things. It, it, a word can be misused and mean. Um, it, yeah, if, if I put out, a course on animism, nobody will know what I'm talking about. So I, I, if I, I put out courses under shamanism barrier, uh, and even if it's technically wrong, people know what I'm talking about. Right. What right. you're talking about, what we're all talking about. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And what's the difference for you, shamanism and animism? Well, it's Nick Wood that, that summarised this, that Shamanism is really much more, I, I gather and think, that the specific ways that the, the indigenous people worked with uh, their, with ceremonies, uh, with nature, with um, trials like vision quests and so on. Mm -hmm. Whereas a, a lot of what we do is more, is a lot more gentle uh, than what they would they would do i mean mm. um uh, sun dance with piercing yeah exactly 
that's one thing in a native culture, but um, it, it, it's so far different from where we all started from. Mm. It's too much. Mm. I very much feel a, 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 what I do is an adaption. Okay. But that's what I'm trying to do is because the one thing I'm concerned with is, is is helping the people who are here. Yes. Not working on anybody's any theories, but just simply helping the people who come. Uh, and if you offer something that's, that's too challenging, that's no good. You've got to work up to that. Of course, of course. And animism, of course, is, is the realisation that everything has a soul, hey? That everything yeah. has Yeah, yeah. And, and that's very much part of my work, is yeah. the soul of, of humanity and of community, the soul of, of the landscapes we're upon, the soul of the creatures. Yeah. So it's it's all encompassing in that respect, isn't it? Well, we've covered a lot of ground here, Leah. Uh-huh. I'm really delighted we come to the end of our time, and um, we'll end here. But is there anything in particular that you would like a message you'd like to give to the listeners on this podcast? Oh, um, ultimately, it, it's about becoming our true self hmm. in, in harmony with the world. And with the planet, uh, I, I, I'm using what we need, not misusing, uh, giving the gifts that we have, whatever they may be, to help each other. In the ultimate, you know, there's only one human, and it's the totality of us all. So we each offer and contribute a bit, but if we take more than we give, that's not sustainable. Yeah. But to, to give what we give uh, and take uh, take what we need, but not necessarily what we want. Mm. 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 That's very true. Yeah. Well, wonderful to hear your wisdom, Leo. And thank you so much for sharing for this podcast. Well, thank you, Caroline. Thank you for a lovely and exchange. Lovely. Yeah. Really nice. Really nice. And I would love to have your details to put into the the box underneath this podcast so I'll, I'll, um, I'll talk to you about that in a moment thank you Leo thank you so much for listening right to the end I hope you enjoyed that podcast and remember you can be in touch with myself or this speaker my website is middleearthmedicine.com we have a wonderful membership platform that you can join for just five pounds a month and we have lots of recordings and interesting information that we can share with you there plus meeting online with regular groups you can also find the details of our speaker in the box below with their links their websites and a little bit of information about them thank you for joining me and being part of this Middle Earth Medicine community. I hope you'll listen to our next show. Please follow, share, like, whatever you can do to help this community to grow. We really appreciate you. Thank you.